Welcome to the Brand Ambassadors, your wide-angle look at the field of PR and what it means for your company. Your host is Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield. Every firm has a compelling narrative that sets them apart from the crowd. In your company, you can use your own background and storytelling to your advantage as well as that of your business. Now, here are your hosts, Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield. Good morning. I'm Merritt Hamilton Allen. Thank you so much for joining us at our premiere show of the Brand Ambassadors. I'm joined by Gary Potterfield, and we're hosting this show together because we've worked together for 12 years, actually longer than that. But we formed Vox Optima in 2005, and uh, 12 years later, we're a PR firm with uh, clients across the country and across the globe, and we focus on outcome-based communications. We were really excited. I was so excited when I got the call from Voice America to do their first ever PR show on internet radio and it's because I have a soft spot for radio and I think Gary you have a softer spot for radio um, well thanks Merritt yeah I'd, uh, I, I, I won't even say the year when I started uh, doing broadcasting uh, but when I was a young Navy guy but yeah this is so much fun it's been years since uh, we've done radio so let's do this this is going to be great well it's so bizarre not having a board yeah, well, I don't even <laughs> want to talk about that. I mean, <laughs> as I said in that uh, Facebook thing about uh, where's the cart machine? Well, yeah, I'm, anyway. I'm, I'm kind of fortunate on uh, the radio front because I can say with a straight face, I have worked in radio since I was 13. And, and that's like a true story. Of course, that 13 was a long time ago. <laughs> uh the per- point of our brand ambassador uh, title, and you know, PR people love to name things and they take forever to name stuff. Uh, this show, uh, when we were uh, sending the show description to Voice America, the name was To Be Determined Forever. We That's really a great re- name, by the way. Well, thank you, because you came <laughs> up with it. <laughs> uh, we wrestled with it. We navel-gazed. Uh, we didn't focus group except ourselves, but that could be a focus group. But what we were trying to, what we want to convey with the brand ambassadors, every company, every organization, government, nonprofit, startup. Fortune 500, every organization has a brand, a tone, a culture that tells its story. And every employee, whether uh, the CEO, the chief marketing officer, or just an upwardly mobile uh, employee, has a story to tell for that brand. Hence, your brand ambassador. So in this series, we're going to be talking about uh, all the ways, uh, all the ways that uh, everyone from entry level to C-suite can be making a difference for their career and their organization through effective communication. Uh, you know, Gary, I, we had a, a great client this week that we talked to, and they actually wanted training specifically just to be better communicators. It wasn't media training. It was focused on outreach. Um, how, how, how important a trend do you th- uh, see that as? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I mean, uh, when you started talking about the fact that at the beginning that everybody is a as a brand ambassador, I think that's changed because of the nature of the world we're in now in terms of communication. So now everybody's expecting people to be able to. First of all, they can. You right. know, you're an employee, you're, and, but yet you have a Facebook, you have an, you have all the social media. <clears throat> but not only that, yeah, you're in front of you're in front of your own your own uh, your own people, your own leadership, and uh, sometimes trade associations or whatever it is, and you've got to communicate to them. And uh, and uh, doing so effectively, it's actually very refreshing to find uh, a company or an organization that says, "Yeah, this is kind of important." 
Yeah, well, yeah, and this is it's a government organization, and it's, and it's very interesting. We got down to brass tacks, and that's what I hope we'll be doing throughout uh, this series. Here's the uh, the issue for this organization. They need to ensure that their value as a government agency continues to be recognized by the resource sponsor, i.e. higher headquarters in Congress. Is that lobbying? Not necessarily. It's simply uh, proving your worth, and you can't prove your worth if you don't tell people what you're worth. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. <clears throat> and organizations often aren't, aren't good at that, They're uh, as, as we've talked about before. So... I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and we, you know, uh, a buzzword, a buzz phrase, say, uh, started about 20 years ago was integrated marketing communication. So I still like it because it's the notion that every sales activity, i.e. marketing, which is uh, communication uh, developed to create a buy decision, marketing, as opposed to public relations, which is a communication effort to create an opinion, a feeling um, uh, of support. They're really interchangeable. Well, I think that I, I think that one of the issues you find is pe- public affairs people, public relations people are. Oh, no, we're not marketing what, what, anymore. It's all again in this age we're in. Everything they're all combined. If you're, of course, public relations relates to the marketing, relates to getting funding, relates to sales, and and uh, very much. Uh, Public, uh, public relations has got to have a desired outcome. You, if you're going to start a public uh, relations campaign, you got a bunch of money to do it. What do you want to achieve? Uh, and the achievement uh, success needs to be something beyond make the CEO feel real good about your creative campaign. Don't you find in your experience, <clears throat> even going back into Navy time when you were when we were both in the Navy, that um, uh, public relations tends to be much, much more reactive than proactive? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, the other part of it, talking about our client who's trying to show, uh, demonstrate their value, one thing that's true about public relations as, diff- as opposed to specifically marketing is we're overhead. It's a bad word. Yeah, it's a bad word. So you got to prove your value. And by proving that value, you've got to pick a goal, you've got to pick a metric, and you've got to uh, build a campaign to achieve that. <sighs> So we've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to be joined by uh, Chris Islieb, who is the public affairs officer for the World War One Centennial Commission. And, you know, that's, it's a great story because, of course, we all think World War One. we think greatest generation. Oh, that was World War Two. What is it about World War One? And some of the unique challenges uh, that he's had in uh, basically what was a startup nonprofit. He's going to be joining us in the... Uh, uh, in the third segment. I also want to encourage you to email your questions uh, for Gary and me to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima. That's V as in Victor, O-X-O-P-T-I-M-A dot com. Or you can call into our listener line at one 472 5790 We've got a lot of topics uh, coming up in this series. Uh, Gary, what, do, what, are, what are your favorites? Well, you know, I... I've- you, you and I, we have a lot of similarities, but we have a lot of differences in terms of our, our, our areas of interest and things we're, we're into. So the things that I you know, get uh, really excited about and jazzed about are, are things that uh, new techniques, new ways to get the word out, new ways to communicate with either a workforce or whatever the audience may be. And, you know, I'm very much uh, uh, about that kind of stuff. And I know that uh, you come from a place where I want to speak for you. But um, oh, go ahead. Okay, I'll speak for you. you no, know, I think I think that uh, you know, like topics. I bet you're going to get really excited about uh, uh, crisis communication. You're going to get excited about uh, thought leadership. 
you know we've got but but yeah we've got those kind of things we have so we have those traditional uh, i think uh topics obviously brand itself we're calling ourselves a brand ambassador so we uh well in fact public relations is now being called brand journalism so maybe the word brand is being bandied about too much who knows but we'll we'll, we'll use it Oh yeah, we'll we'll, sh- we'll shamelessly flog this, thinking maybe like flog this bra- term to death. The brand cow hands or something like that. We, <laughs> 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 but uh, but we have some uh, you know we we do have some topics I think that are going to be uh, uh, a little off maybe maybe not off the beaten path but just n- ones that others in PR may not be thinking directly are are, are what, what you were talking about our 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 death to PowerPoint uh, uh, discussion <laughs> sometime several weeks from now is going to be a lot of fun. So we've got some good stuff coming up. I'm pretty enthusiastic. We've got a college show coming up. Uh, first semester seniors in journalism, PR fields. You want to tune in the first Friday after your finals are over this year because we're going to talk with placement officers and uh, college professors about the skills you need and how to build your resume and get your first job. And uh, there's some really talented young people out there that uh, that uh, are in this business, and we've been uh, fortunate enough to deal with some of them, so yeah. it's great. Yeah, and actually, um, uh, the account manager of one of our largest clients uh, was picked up straight out of a college recruiting fair by See? you, because you're a brilliant, you're a br- brilliant hiring well, there you officer. Go. <laughs> a little bit, uh, Vox Optima is, uh, so, uh, as I said, we started in 2005. Gary uh, is the man- managing director for operations, which basically means he's the COO. We're still a small enough company. I don't, we don't have a C-suite. We kind of operate like a consultancy with directorships. And uh, that's uh, one thing I've enjoyed working with Gary is because he's focused on delivery, because he's focused on client quality, that's how all the technology that we get to use that we're sitting in right now in our studios come to bear. Well, I think one of the things that uh, has uh, been happening over the past, um, certainly the past decade, but where you can be small and uh, and you can still do the things you need to do, you can still achieve a lot of things with technology. I mean, uh, the technology we're using just for this radio show isn't is is in within the reach of everyone. I mean, look at the world of uh, getting the word out there. Look at the world of podcasting. I mean, people can be you know in their in their parents' basement, <laughs> and they can do these kinds of things. And so uh, another thing that I'm interested in is the fact that um, the, the the balance. One of our topics we're going to talk with some uh, some colleagues and and partners of ours several weeks down the line. Um, about where is the balance between using technology on the fly, like young people are taking, you know, they'll, they'll do a, they'll do a live Facebook mobile. Live, right? Right off the, right. Compare that to the old-fashioned way, if we will, of traditional uh, uh, communication. So it'll be interesting to see where that balance is. Yeah, and, you know, one thing I, I tend to do, I like working with other companies who are starting up because, of course, Vox Optimus wants to start up. And I've actually sicked a lot of people on Gary as they're starting up because if you are a small business, let me just tell you, you do not need Microsoft Exchange Server. You just don't. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Is there, is, are they sponsoring us? No, Micro- no, not yet. Oh, <laughs> and they won't be. And never. And they never will be. Uh, but, well, you know, we're a Google Apps company. We're very, you know. We- G Suite. G Suite, thank G-suite, you, no. thank you. I'm I'm not the tech person, you can tell. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah, because uh, that was fun, that, or maybe it wasn't fun at the beginning, but uh, yeah, we were uh, we were like early adopt, relatively early adopters, uh-huh. year year one and a half maybe of uh, of what was then Google Apps work, but it was simply because of uh, the fact that uh, we were as although we were we were a small company, we have people in uh, a number of states: West Coast, East Coast, South, North. Uh, at one point, South America. Uh, so. Anyway, we had uh, we had uh, 
uh, being able to use G Suite. Uh, well, we'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah, don't forget, uh, don't forget Guam. We're going to talk a little bit more about technology and uh, what, what this show is going to be about. But we've uh, just been signaled by Aaron, our intrepid engineer, that we need to get down to break. So we'll talk to you shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Listening to the Brand Ambassadors. To reach our program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, everybody. Welcome back uh, to our premiere episode of the uh, Brand Ambassadors. And we are, are looking forward to doing this uh, week after week on Fridays at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Uh, Pacific, and uh, whatever that 7 a.m. Mountain. 7 a.m. Well, yeah, 7 a.m. Mountain. <laughs> Very because, important. That's right. I'm Gary Potterfield, and uh, along with uh, Merritt Allen, and, uh, and Merritt Brent mentions Mountain because uh, she's going to be mostly uh, t- calling from the Mountain. Uh, she's going to be in uh, calling the Sandia Elk- Mountains, actually. I live in Albuquerque. So yeah, so when we, before we went on break, I was we talking about the fact that uh, we're a small company, and yet how do you manage this? Um, 
to communicate with all your own people even. But that's what the beauty of uh, where we are technologically today. And uh, yeah, about, uh, well, I don't know what it was, eight, nine years ago, we uh, went with, uh, we said, okay, we, we just can't do this. It was 10 uh, years ago. It was 2007. We, so we can't. We were like we were, we were spending like half a. Day, we don't have an IT department. We were spending like half a day going like instead of actually doing work, we're having people in the company going. Oh, I can't connect. I can't. I can't get into anything. So we said to heck with this. So we were an early cloud company. So how about that? Well, and but you know we've been able to find um, overlaying applications that work beautifully with G Suite for timekeeping. I mean we do a lot of government work, so not just timekeeping, but defense contract audit agency compliant time keeping thank you very much um, even as uh, a, a CRM program so uh, you know definitely definitely if you have questions about some lighter cloud-based applications that are right for uh, your knowledge management uh, uh, please send those questions into us at uh, brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com well Merritt getting back into uh, the topic of, uh, of PR and the different things we we're going to talk about one thing we hadn't mentioned in segment one was uh, was media training uh, something we're both uh, very fond of and we've, we've enjoyed doing uh, uh, independently, together. We've had a lot of fun doing that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, we both got our start um, in, in a very uh, specific Department of Defense-focused format. That is very similar to what a lot of organizations still use. And it's all based around simulated interviews and simulated television interviews largely. And I would offer... Uh, local news, national news being the way it is, most companies uh, are not going to do a lot of TV. Right. Well, and of course, the, the entire industry is changing anyway. Maybe they're, they're going to do a Facebook Live and not do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, uh, many of the um, uh, uh, large newspaper conglomerates, they all have a video channel from their uh, from their website. So there's going to be a video element to your print interview. Well, if, don't you think that anymore it's like how do you distinguish saying something's a newspaper? Well, no, a television station is a is a is a is a print organization because they because they have their online uh, their online news and uh, tell and, and newspapers are 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 uh, are television and and radio and it's all together it's all coming together. And, and as um, you've helpfully pointed out, I'm not super bright on the tech stuff, but the one thing that I never said that <laughs> you implied it. <laughs> the one the one big takeaway uh, of what has happened with our digital revolution is if you want better uh, search engine optimization, you got to include video. You do have to include video, and uh, and there's a lot of interesting ways to do that. You know what you could do? I got an idea for you. Oh dear! You, you come to National Harbor, Maryland. You see? I mean, right where we are. Right where we are in this very room where we are at the moment, and uh, and uh, we can do some cool virtual set technology and put you in the, uh, uh, in, in where you want to be. Uh, but I think the surface of the surface of the moon probably is not a smart idea for your business. But at any rate, we can put you anywhere you want. But the important thing is, it doesn't take a lot, a little bit of technology, and a good idea, and get the thing out there relatively quickly, and uh, and you're doing what you need to do. But and with refresh that, it, refresh it, refresh it. Your video is disposable. It is disposable, absolutely. And yeah, don't make it. And remember, uh, what about the. Uh, uh, for years and years and years, remember the uh, the in, for government organizations, military organizations, the command video. Uh, oh my gosh! I was at the most amazing meeting yesterday with the Strategic Communication Department at uh, NATO's Allied Command for Transformation, and um, 
I described the command video and what it is, is it's six months of scripting and production. You finally get approved by everybody who has to approve it and the commanding officer uh, transfers. And you have to start all over again. Also, no one watches it. Well, and the head nods that. and the laughs I got as I described the, the command video. But the th- so so the with the with the issue of media training, it's that really it's important. I mean, it's not it is not terribly difficult, um, but it is really important because um, you need to get you need to be in front of to be out there, whether it's to do a, a video for your your company's website or whatever the case may be, or to respond. Um, when uh, when when a non-traditional media person calls you, or whatever the case may be, or um, uh, when you've got the must-close pitch, uh, you've a lot of folks uh, have subject matter experts who are brilliant at what they do and are really uncomfortable speaking in front of other people, and getting everyone comfortable to be to be a brand ambassador for the company is really important. And we like to um, ask media training clients, what do you actually have to do? What are you good at? What are you bad at? What are you the most worried about? And then we build that curriculum and create simulations based on what the client's actually going to be doing. I think so many people feel that they have some a preconceived notion about what that process is. If they're going to do a presentation, they're going to do a – and by the way, anymore, again, I think that media presentation, they all kind of, kind of, kind of blending in terms of the skill sets don't change that much. You know, yeah, one, you may be in front of a god-awful PowerPoint um, – or you may be responding to a media query, but the te- a lot of the techniques are going to be the same. But they have preconceived notions of what that is supposed to be by something they've seen or heard, and that can be completely wrong. I mean, the, the, the bottom line at the end of the day is, have I gotten my message to this person, whether it's a person who's going to buy my product or my service, or it's to the media and the public? And, and more importantly, what do I want this person to do after they hear the message? What's the, what's the desired outcome, right. and have I achieved that? I think so many times people um, are more, you know, they're petrified. So because that's very typical to be, you know, to be afraid of being in front of an audience. I was very uh, early on in my career. I was, uh, you, know, I, you know, standing in front of an audience was a, was a, was a, a kind of a terrifying thing. Um, but I got better. Uh, but so all you have to do is uh, they're so focused on that instead of what they're trying to achieve. Oh, if I can only get through this thing. Um, and it's not just it's not just that. And we, we know this from uh, organizations we've uh, we've worked with is that uh, much more common than the and I think you kind of alluded to this much more common than the media uh, query specifically or in front of a press conference or something is sitting on a panel at a trade show. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And uh, sitting on a panel at a trade show where you're surrounded by a myriad of different PowerPoint presentations, how do you stand out? How do you connect with that audience who's uh, sitting below the podium at a round table for 10, uh, waiting, uh, waiting for the break so they can go make a phone call, get a cup of coffee, and maybe sneak out of the conference? I'm so tempted to go... Uh uh, tell stories about uh, p- bad PowerPoints, but we're going to save that for another, power, another because there are so many fun ones. Probably everyone this, uh, listening to us is uh, very familiar with their own uh, PowerPoint uh, nightmares. But yeah, we're excited about that. Uh, power, uh, I mean, uh, media training slash presentation training, things we're doing for a client coming up next month. Uh, that's just exciting stuff. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it doesn't have to be intimidating, you know. And the, you know, the topic doesn't matter. Um, there is a compelling narrative in anything. I mean, my favorite story is when I uh, first left the Navy. Uh, I took the first job, um, almost that I was offered, was the first job that wasn't a pay cut. 
And okay. it was... You had standards, I, I had standards. And it was strategic communication for an engineering code uh, at a Navy engineering, uh, ship engineering command focused on corrosion control, yet also shipboard toilets. And, you know, we built a whole story around painting ships and shipboard toilets. We hit uh, the front page of the LA Times with toilets, front page of the Washington Times with toilets, CNN with ships getting painted, literally paint uh, paint drying. Uh, because the, the story was we were using better products and better design to reduce the labor burden on sailors. And you tell that story in Norfolk or San Diego, you're going to get some pickup. Yeah, it's, it must not have seemed initially as like, wait a, wait a minute, I thought I thought I was, I got into PR, I thought I was going to do some, all this exciting stuff, and I'm talking about uh, toilets. But you're very good at talking about <laughs> I am, and I, I uh, absolutely, vitreous China on board ship is a terrible idea. you got to go stainless steel. <laughs> I have to say something, when you say something like that, when you say, <laughs> I have to say something about, uh, about Merritt and... Uh, she has this amazing ability to just begin to get. She may just hear one sentence about some topic somewhere, and she ta- and she understands and can talk for hours on it. That's why you're good at this radio thing. You're going to be really good at this radio oh, thing. Thank you, Gary. No, because no matter what that you know this. When it, we go, you and I will go to a meeting, and and the next thing I know, they ask a question, and we've just learned you know this, the, the slightest amount about this organization. And you have have got uh, the ability to, uh, and not, I'm talking about understanding it and speaking to it, and I'm sometimes scratching my head, going, "Wow." I have a cocktail party working knowledge of a lot of stuff. But you know what? But no depth. You know, I was thinking about the word cocktail party, the word, the phrase cocktail per- party, for some reason this morning, and you know what? That shows how old. Part. <laughs> who goes to cocktail parties anymore? Well, no, I think it's just a much nicer way to say binge drinking. <laughs> It's a kinder, gentler time. I think cocktail parties is a cool idea. Well, you know, you know, we have cocktail parties. We do. Well, We're a cocktailing company. We are. Well, well you know what else we do? I'm very proud of this one, the virtual happy hour. Yes. G-Suite makes it possible. You have to do that, folks. If Now, if you're a government employee and you're on site, you, not only is it not recommended, it is prohibited, but <laughs> you can do it. You get in front of your, uh, you do a See Google. See the Washington Post. You do your Google, Google Hangout uh, from your office and you each get your uh, your. Your uh, your drink of preference uh, and uh, and and chat and have because if you can't be together, I mean, we, you know, you're in Albuquerque, I'm in I'm in D.C. area. We got folks in you know all over God's and, well, creation. I love everybody in Vox Optimus so much. I don't want to miss a minute of it. So I go ahead and bring the ice bucket and the bottle down with me. So I can <laughs> I can just uh, top off at my desk. So the virtual happy hour. We we should, can we brand that? Can we can we trademark it? I don't think we can. Uh, the Vox virtual happy hour. Yeah, we can. That's so. That's so. Nine. It's so bringing together like 1960s and 19 and the and 2010. And of course, you know, happy hour is a Navy construct. Really? Really? See, how can I not know this? <laughs> because you've never been a third place finisher on Jeopardy. <laughs> Folks, yeah, you have to look up Merritt. Merritt had. Again, this goes to Merritt. She, she's definitely a, she's definitely a news geek. I mean, she, Merritt is all about that stuff, but she knows so much about so much. And I know so little about so much. <laughs> That's the you problem. know a little about everything. I have breadth, but no depth. You have, but you had the. You Which had, is not to say I'm fat. You, so you absolutely. You would have been probably on for like you know six, eight weeks, except for the fact that you were on with you know Ken Jennings. Ken Jennings. Well, hey, so exciting! Uh, we have our first guest ever coming up in just a couple of minutes uh, after this break. Uh, Chris Islieb from the World War One Centennial Commission. So stand, uh, stay tuned to the Brand Ambassadors, and we'll be right back. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Listening to the Brand Ambassadors. To reach our program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. And as promised, we're joined by Chris Islieb uh, of the World War I Centennial Commission. And he's a fellow Navy guy. And so I'm going to close out the, our, our happy hour thread so I don't leave you hanging on how that happened. If you've read The uh, Winds of War, the daughter, Madeline, is working in broadcasting. And she builds an idea for the network, radio network she works, works for in New York based on the happy hour concept uh, she remembers from the Navy when her dad was stationed at Pearl Harbor and she was a kid, uh, where they had local performers um, who also would be doing radio broadcasts uh, of their performance on the Navy base while everybody had a drink. And it was called The Happy Hour. It's so happy. Yeah, so... It's part of our American military heritage. <laughs> we'll do a spot for that. We'll do a spot for that. Absolutely. Well, so, welcome, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. That's a brilliant story. 
Oh, thank you, thank you. Well, you want to go pick up the Winds of War and read it again. It's a great book, although they're right although they're wrong war for you right now. And Chris, we talked earlier this year, and uh, we hadn't talked in years, and we were on the phone for an hour because everything you were telling me about the World War One Commission was so fascinating, and. I think when we think about centennial commissions and war remembrance, it, it just seems like it must be an ongoing thing and there's never uh, 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 any startup requirements. But the commission itself was a startup, right? Yeah. As it turns out, uh, Congress created our commission in 2013. And, um, and at the but time, didn't fund you know, you. We're, um, uh, when, when we were created, uh, unfortunately, we weren't given uh, uh, authorized budget. So, um, you know, we didn't get an um, uh Created but uh, not funded. Funding. So we uh, we had to go. Uh, we, we had uh, very limited resources, very limited budget, very limited staff, um, and we were going donation to donation, and uh, and also we were uh, given a short lifespan. Uh, so as a startup, um, we also had a death date, which will be uh, in 2019. You know, after the commemorative uh, commemorative events are uh, are uh, through and finished. And. Uh for uh, folks who want to look, learn more about what Chris is doing at World War I uh, Centennial, you want to go to worldwarnumeral1centennial.org. Uh, so, what, uh, so how did you do that? How did you get to where you are? Because I think you've been tremendously successful. You've got an award-winning website. What was the key? Oh, thank you. Um, I'll tell you, uh, we had to think fast um, we, uh, and get creative. Um, we... Uh, Realized that we were going to be uh, tiny and unknown uh, unless we, uh, for a long time, unless we did something quick. And part of it uh, hugely was partnership. Um, we tried to think of who would want to be our partners. Uh, we had to think of, you know, who do we have anything that we could offer uh, something to. Um, we saw uh, great value in uh, in our help with the veterans community, uh, and there were so many huge uh, partners there: American Legion and VFW. Uh, and they were supportive of us uh, posturing ourselves as a uh, veteran service organization ourselves, uh, because really um, the World War One veterans are all gone. The last one sadly passed in uh, 2010, but they have legacy and they have families left. Uh, you know, and so uh, you know we we told uh, folks that you know we we are the protector of that legacy and we want to keep them from being forgotten. And um, and so similarly, we were also able to align ourselves uh, successfully with. Uh, the military world, the military commands, DOD, uh, and the storytellers for the military, especially the defense media activity, and uh, and their websites, you know, have uh, followerships in the millions. Um, and then we also saw ourselves as, uh, you know, uh, we don't, you know, we we since we're small, uh, we don't consider ourselves the owner of World War One nationally, but um, we're, we just kind of foster the conversation. So we were kind of a place where. Uh, portals uh, could come and, and reside with us, and we could help get the word out uh, to our growing audience. And so we were able to align with Library of Congress when they built a portal, and the National Archives when they built one, and the Smithsonian's, and the various different services when they created special websites, uh, you know, to um, uh, to their own World War One uh, heritage. And so we we kind of collected them together. And uh, so we became uh, a resource, and, and from that, we became an education friend. And the Department of Education is huge. Uh, you know, there's classrooms uh, in the tens of thousands across the country uh, that we've been trying to reach out to, and, and w- with some success with our partnerships with History Channel and, and other, uh, other sources. 
And so uh, in developing these partnerships, um, was there any guidance or was it just simply, um, you know, hitting the pavement and going and talking to people? I'll tell you, a lot of, when you're, when you're tiny, um, you just got to accept the fact that you're going to do all the work. Uh, but the upside is, is that you get positive control over, uh, you know, some of the products and some of the results. Um, I came from Bastion Public Affairs. I mean, I was in the Navy with you. Uh, from that, I went to the uh, office of the Secretary of Defense. Uh, from that, I was uh, manager of the Air Force uh, press desk in the Pentagon. Another, you know, vast enterprises. And then from there, I became uh, director of communication for uh, the National Archives, which, you know, they've got 40 locations around the country. Um, and then I went to this, and, and our staff was six people, and uh, we had an unknown name, an unknown brand. And um, so I, we had to, um, you know, think outside the box. My, my background was uh, me, you know, it, it didn't really um, necessarily suit well, but there were, there were skills that I think all of us have just by watching uh, TV growing up. And by communicating, you know, regularly with our friends and so on, um, that that can have uh, impact. But then there's also little tricks. Uh, you know, the, we did a lot of guerrilla marketing that, and stuff that I can get into later. Um, you know, little uh, hacks and little tricks. And uh, um, but ultimately, I think the big uh, strategic uh, pieces were to have something to offer that helps the partners. Uh, you know, because the, they'll listen. They don't need you. Uh, but they will listen to you if you can offer uh, access to uh, your own uh, network, uh, if you can offer them uh, new content uh, or new ideas. Because sometimes, uh, you know, big bastions don't always uh, have our resource for uh, new ideas because they don't need to be. Uh, but they're looking for them. And, uh, and sometimes you can uh, help them change their own game and Im- improve it. Tell me a little about your Countdown to Veterans Day campaign. That was uh, one of the very first things. Uh, thanks for asking about that one. That's, we're, we're quite proud of that. That was one of the uh, first of our efforts to really uh, put ourselves on the uh, social media map. Because as we, especially as we partner with these organizations, um, the, the lowest common denominator that they'll always offer uh, is just social media retweeting and reposting. Uh, you know, you go to any meeting, they can't give you money. Uh, they're not going to give you a, a liaison staff member necessarily uh, to connect with. Um, but one thing they will do is they'll, they'll, you know, offer to at least be social media buddies with you. Uh, and that can be enormous if you know how to play it. And so what we did was, um, you know, we saw this, uh, uh, this dynamic and, uh, we put our heads together over here and, um, and Veterans Day was coming up and we can always, uh, even as an unknown organization, unknown organization, we could always, uh, play stories, uh, you know, in earned media. Uh, around Veterans Day and around Memorial Day and around the Fourth of July, um, but we needed more. But similarly, we also, uh, you know, took our role as a uh, veterans organization seriously. I, we decided, you know, if we're going to call ourselves one, we should do something, and we should be one. You know, we should. This is this is not to be taken lightly. So what we did was um, we we looked at Veterans Day as a um, as a holiday, and we said, you know what, one day a year is not enough to talk about veterans' issues and to talk about veterans' contributions. Um, and so what we did was we decided, you know what, let's turn it into a month and let's, uh, let's just call it a countdown um, and we'll create a bunch of uh, content, you know, um, uh, just little tweets and little posts um, that, uh, work toward, that kind of tell a veteran's story. Uh, you know, did you know uh, Humphrey Bogart served in the Navy during World War One. Did you know uh, Jack Benny learned how to play violin uh, in the Navy in World War One? Did you know 
that the uh, Disabled American Veterans Organization has drivers that will take people to veterans hospitals if they need. Did you know this, that, and the other thing? And so as a result, we, we uh, were able to create a bunch of content, and then we just started pitching it to, um, you know, especially the bigger partners, the DAV and the American Legion, uh, you know, the, the military services, the Smithsonian's even, and, and some of the other uh, big bastions uh, with the uh, massive followings. Um, because one retweet or one repost from those folks uh, could make it rain for us uh, as far as followership and as far as awareness. And, uh, and that was uh, something helpful that we hope to achieve from it. Um, but then we also, of course, we wanted to get the word out about veterans' uh, needs and veterans' uh, issues and veterans' contributions. So what we did was, uh, you know, we created uh, this content, um, and we, you know, there was a World War One tinge to it, obviously, because that's part of when you're going to do all the work, you get to control uh, a little bit of the product. And so we, uh, we started sending around, we, uh, we did conference calls to uh, just get buy-in from uh, people that, uh, you know, believed in similar things that we did, um, and we started to get some traction. And uh, uh, the idea exploded. As it turns out, we, uh, we saw value. It, it, it started to really get uh, a lot of uh, traction in the first week, so we created a website for Countdown to Veterans Day that offered volunteer opportunities for people who wanted to make it a day on as opposed to a day off. Uh, and we, we included you know, stuff, uh, volunteer opportunities from uh, these same organizations, Wreath Across America and from um, American Legion and, and uh, DAV and uh, uh, Military Order of the World Wars and so on. And so we, we became a portal for that. And then pretty soon we, we started getting uh, so much uh, from this just basic social media hashtag advocacy uh, idea that media started covering us. And we actually had three or four media star, uh, earned media stories uh, that came from this dynamic of Countdown to Veterans Day. In the first year, I think we did about um, 20 million audience impressions uh, during the course of the month. Uh, then the second year, I think we did about 40 million. Um, this year, we've been working on, uh, on it along with other things, uh, and so uh, we're not as big, but we're probably at about 10 or 12 million. Uh, I just checked last weekend. Uh- well, we definitely want to hear more about uh, the guerrilla marketing uh, piece of it. But as we are uh, closing out uh, this segment, uh, where is the best place for someone who wants to uh, uh, learn more about the World War uh, One Commission? Where should they go? We're big with social media. We've got a, a Facebook and a Twitter uh, page that are very active. We're uh, posting you know, 10 times a day on each. Um, the Twitter handle is WW1CC. Um, and then the, uh, the, if you search uh, uh, for Centennial Commission on Facebook, you can find it there. Uh, and then, again, our website. Uh, you can use the website uh, uh, that you had and also uh, www.1cc.org works as well. Fantastic. Well, we've been talking with Chris Eslieb of the World War One Commission. We're going to continue the conversation and learn about his guerrilla marketing uh, tactics right after this break. You're listening to the Brand Ambassadors. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. 
at Vox Optima. Our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program Hi, and welcome back, everyone, to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Gary Potterfield, along with uh, Merritt Allen, and uh, we're uh, really pleased to continue speaking with our guest, Chris Islieb from the World War I Centennial Commission. And uh, um, Chris, you know, it's uh, the the idea, when people think of world wars, they, they while, of course, they know about World War I, but they, it, all the focus is World War II. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the Andrews sisters, John Wayne, uh, the movies, uh, and, and it's just been a part of our lives as we grow up. And we, I'm curious of the challenge you've had to promote the brand of your commission and just the entire idea of why um, World War One matters. Oh, yeah. I mean, Gary, this is because uh, not only when we were formed in 2013 by Congress, um, do we have, you know, very limited uh, resources, very limited staff. But we were, you know, at the time, World War One was really considered truly a forgotten war. And, um, and, you know, our, everybody that works for our organization really truly believes um, that no veteran should be forgotten and no war should be forgotten. And um, so, but it was, it was uh, in 2013, people just weren't thinking about it. And, uh, and it's never going to be, I mean, the, World War I started for, uh, for, in the U.S. Uh, for murky reasons. It started in 2014 worldwide for murky reasons. Uh, it ended uh, under uh, murky circumstance too. Uh, it wasn't a successful end. It, uh, you know, 21 years later led to, you know, a follow-on. Um, but um, and and when I came to the organization, you know, early on, uh, you know, we had talking points that were, you know, very scholarly. It was awful. I mean, it was stuff like, uh, you know, uh, one of the talking points was, uh, you know, America went from being a debtor nation to a creditor nation. Uh, that's why this is important. And. People just, you know, they they, they weren't going to engage with it. Um, fortunately, we we start we you know had this goal of uh, creating a national conversation about World War One. It was never going to it's never going to be as uh, as uh, forefront in our uh, social consciousness as World War Two, 
Um, but we were inspired by some of the examples uh, that came to us in Europe uh, during the follow-on year, 2014. Um, there were a couple of organizations. One of them uh, in the U.K. was called uh, 1418 Now, um, who were really successful in public art, uh, in public art, of, uh, performance art events. Uh, so they had, uh, I don't know if you're uh, familiar with the ceramic poppies at the Tower of London, um, but they had one for every uh, person lost from the uh, from the UK in the war, um, and that that went viral. Uh, and then they also had uh, during the anniversary of uh, uh, the Battle of the Somme, the first day of the Battle of the Somme, which was such an awful battle for the UK. Um, they had an, uh, a performance event with you know ten thousand reenactors around the country at train stations uh, called uh, "We Are Here," and um, you know it's, it was touching uh, the way they were able to. Uh, perform this, and that and that went viral. And then they also had other things. Uh, uh, the uh, the ferry between Liverpool and uh, Jersey uh, was painted in World War One dazzle ship colors, and uh, uh, which was also very uh, notable. And so it started a conversation that went beyond just the basic uh, chronology um, and based beyond just the basic uh, you know thought pieces. And really, what we did was uh, you know when our uh, time really started getting busy uh, with the approach of the U.S. involvement in the war. Um, the one thing that always makes it universal is the human stories. Uh, you know, put a human face on uh, what, well, you know, the, the 4 million, 5 million uh, people who wore the uniform uh, during World War I. Put a human face on who, why we remember people like Eddie Rickenbacker. Why rem- what, did, what did Alvin York actually do? Why, do? why is that name still rolling around? And then there were other heroes that we haven't heard of as much, but incredible stories you know people like lena higby and uh, julia stimson who founded the um, uh, the navies and the army's nurse corps for instance henry johnson from the uh, the harlem health fighters uh, so many others um, and what we you know if we could reduce these two um, uh, tell the stories of what they did tell the stories and why and who they were um, this would engage people and, and veterans don't change i mean the the uh, the stories of these uh, of their experiences are the stories of our current day experiences. Uh, you know, our, our current day veterans, uh, you know, f- uh, face the same challenges that 100 years ago veterans did then as well. And uh, you know, there's such a universality to it. And uh, and thankfully, there were a number of online uh, emerging um, media outlets like uh, uh, We Are the Mighty was uh, one of the best ones that really helped us. Because uh, that's, you know, I, I, I'm not sure whether you're familiar with, uh, but some of the other uh, outlets along with them, sell, them are, um, you know, they tell sea stories. They basically say, hey, did you ever hear about what happened with this guy or what this woman did? And, uh, and as a medium, it's immediate, it's short, uh, it's easily digestible. It's on Facebook and, uh, and it's really powerful. And so it helped us, you know, putting a human face. Uh, And Chris, so many of the symbols we think of that we associate with Veterans and Veterans Day come directly from World War One, the poppy, Uh, uh, November 11th, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. That's all uh, Veterans Day. We've got just a couple more minutes. And so we've been teasing the audience. Let's talk about guerrilla marketing. I mean, so you have a bandana around your head and a K-bar in your teeth. What else do you do? (laughs) We found that, especially with our size and resources, um, we're, we weren't going to be able to move the earth. Like we wanted to, you know, initially people wanted to have big events. You know, they wanted to have a big ceremony that was a nationally televised thing. We were just weren't going to be able to do that. We didn't have the, uh, uh, you know, the bandwidth to be able to do more than, you know, one or two of those during the course of our lifetime. 
So what we would do is we would look for where the earth was moving. We would go to Fleet Week in New York, uh, where there's already going to be a bunch of cameras. Um, and we offered, uh, did you know what the, world, what the Navy was doing during World War I? And we offered news stories uh, and got earned media based on stuff like that. Um, Reese across America, we had reenactors out there uh, dressed like General Pershing on a horse, dressed like uh, other doughboys. And we got camera uh, play out of that. And it was, it was great. And it helped to tell the story. And it also just increased uh, visibility. Um, so we would, we would, again, look for, uh, you know, look for opportunities to uh, where the earth was already moving. We would also, uh, we didn't try to own things. We would foster things. When we, uh, when we saw portals, uh, as early, you know, earlier mentioned, um, pop up on the uh, Internet, you know, from Smithsonian or from Library of Congress, we would tell other organizations about it so they could uh, tell about it as well. So American Legion audiences would know about the Library of Congress new research tools. Um, National Archives folks would tell their folks about the new, um, uh, you know, U.S. Army's uh, new page on, uh, you know, the chronology of the war, this kind of stuff. And then we also um, did other things uh, early, early, early on when we first created the website, or rather uh, created our social media accounts. uh, Some of the very first people we would like and follow would be reporters, Um, because this way, you know, you like and follow them, and they tend to like and follow you. And every time you post something... It's like pitching a story. And if you're posting really good content, they start calling you because they they're always looking for ideas for stories. So that was really helpful. Uh, we would also um, you know, make sure that we had um, uh, an eye on the free and the cheap stuff uh, that was out there. There's a lot of uh, ways to measure your social media that are uh, very inexpensive or very fr- relatively free. Yep. Um, they've also got, uh, you know, advertising on Twitter and on Google, oh, uh, Google and, and on and Facebook. And I really love that. Be- and the metrics for that advertising are so reasonable. Um, you know, oh, yeah. uh, we're, we're running out of time. I just want to thank you, Chris, again for joining us. We've been talking with Chris Islieb of the World War One Commission. That's www1cc.org. And I, I think an interesting uh, little factoid I'm going to throw out because I love trivia. You know, uh, World War I was considered the first modern war of the 20th century. And what we see in uh, uh, impacting warfare today is propaganda and false information going out via social media. Uh, That's considered, you know, the hybrid threat in the 21st century. So I love the fact that we're telling the story of World War One. Uh, uh, World War One with social media. I, I think that's uh, a fascinating uh, little facet. Um, I want to thank you all for joining us on our first show. Uh, Chris, again, we couldn't have asked for a better first guest. Thank you all listeners. Uh, next week, you know, we're going to talk about some dilemmas businesses have when they grow and they start offering a service line that they're not previously known for. So next week, uh, please join us at 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern, 6, p- 6 a.m. Uh, Pacific, 7 a.m. in Albuquerque. Uh, 8 a.m. We'll Central. 8 a.m. Central, Chicago, whatever. <laughs> and uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be talking about brand expansion. And so for Gary Potterfield, I'm Merritt Allen. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Brand Ambassadors. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Brand Ambassadors. Please join Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield for another edition next Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.